there was something so much deeper going on in these lives. And the grief they were going through, complicated often by the planning that had not been done or had been not adequately done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for the show. Well, for today's show, we have another guest that's in my general area, Central Texas. Carolyn Smith is joining us for this episode, and Carolyn is a CPA that has ended up taking her career in the direction of helping business owners plan for their eventual exit from their businesses. However, She has an even more specific niche than I realized when I booked this. When I scheduled it, I knew she helped with exit planning, which is a hot topic these days, but I didn't realize that she specifically helped business owners plan for the possibilities surrounding either themselves or a key person in their company exiting the company due to passing away or death, to be more direct about it. This is one of those areas that many people don't like to talk about, but it is a distinct possibility that should definitely be planned for if at all possible. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about a whole lot more in this episode as well. Carolyn was a partner with a very prominent accounting firm in this area, and she also helped form their first flex schedule program many years ago. So there really are many facets to this interview. There's a whole lot to learn. I definitely enjoyed recording it, and I think you're going to really enjoy it as well. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, one way to follow this show and find out more about what's going on at Where Accountants Go or other episodes is to follow us on LinkedIn. All you have to do is search for Where Accountants Go, and it'll pop right up. You'll see all our podcast posts there. Plus, occasionally we have other special offers on some of the training that we do. And as always, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career or for accounting organizations that you're involved in, please reach out to me as well. I'm always happy to help in any way I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with the guest for this week. Here's Carolyn Smith. Well, hello, Carolyn. Welcome to the show. Good day to you, Mark, and your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. This is going to be fun. Well, for the audience, as I've mentioned before, I come across our guests for the show in in quite a variety of ways, actually. Sometimes it's the referral. Sometimes it's something I see online that looks interesting. And then sometimes I just happen upon an interesting potential guest while I'm doing my everyday job. Carolyn Smith is joining us today, and I originally came in contact with her because she was helping facilitate part of an exit planning event that I personally attended. I found her background very interesting, and so I invited her on the show, and obviously she accepted. We're going to start with Carolyn's early career in public accounting, but then transition into how she became an expert in the private client services area, family wealth planning, and the business transition field. I know I'm personally really going to enjoy this interview, and I think you're going to get a lot of insight out of it as well. Well, Carolyn, before we get to the present time, let's make sure we cover your overall journey in some detail. What led you to decide to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? Well, Mark, that's a great question because it really was a journey. I grew up in Elgin, which is located outside of Austin, and I really grew up in a family where math was just part of who we were. My 
dad was a traffic engineer and actually wrote some of the very first computer programs to run traffic lights. And my mom was an office manager slash accountant. I love numbers and I was raised by people who love numbers. So it seemed natural when I graduated from high school in 1976, way back then, my dad suggested I major in civil engineering. And really, based on my dad's recommendation, I thought, oh, that's a lot of math. That'll be fun. Really didn't spend any time thinking about any deeper than that. Well, what I quickly experienced at A&M was the math for civil engineering was not my math. And by the end of that year, my dad told me I could transfer to any place and do anything I wanted to as long as I would stop crying. So that led me to transfer to Texas Lutheran College in the fall of 1977. I'm sure as your listeners know, located in Seguin. And I took my first accounting class and Mark, I was just in heaven. Graduated in December 79 and also happy to say met my husband there. And this summer, we celebrated our 41st anniversary. Then my question from my parents was, why aren't you calling home? We never hear from you. But accounting was just, I had just found my spot. In January of 1980, I was fortunate to begin my public accounting career with Paget Stroudeman in San Antonio. That time, the firm was five partners and 30 team members. So it was like coming home being in the size of community that I was used to growing up at Elgin, being at Texas Lutheran. The commitment to the CPA exam was really important to me. And so worked hard towards that. It didn't come naturally. By the end of 1980, I had completed the testing requirements. And then November of 1981, I had met the experience requirements. So I would say that that checked a big box. That's interesting. Paget, for those not from this area, wouldn't know this, but I mean, it merged a few years back, but even before the merger, they were a couple hundred team members. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they we're sure talking. were. Yeah. And I'll blend that in with my journey. Looking back in June of 1985, so I'd been with the firm a little over five years and had already achieved the title of a tax manager. And for those in public counting, that what that meant was lots of learning in lots of hours. And so in the August of 85, when we adopted our son, I actually became the first professional woman in the firm to have a child. And that was just kind of a big aha for me and the partners, et cetera, at the firm. That really led to not knowing what that experience was going to be like in public accounting. I was offered a position as a tax manager at USAA. So for a year, I worked there. I was there responsible for their life, non-life consolidated return, among other things. What was really the attraction was the flexibility in the four-day work week. But by January of 1987, I had really missed my clients. And that was, USA was a big company with a lot of, just a different environment. And I missed Paget, and fortunately, they missed me as well. I returned as a tax manager and negotiated and implemented the FERC's flex schedule arrangement for the professionals. We really knew that we were on a journey and neither the firm nor myself really knew how long this flex schedule was going to be an important part. Actually, living in New Braunfels now and working in San Antonio, stayed on this flex schedule, which was full-time during main busy season, but until our son was 16, so all the way to 2001. Mark, in 2001, Paget, like many accounting firms, started their own RIA. So in 2001, Paget started their own RIA, and in 2001, 
I had chosen to now get on the partner route. So I became the tax partner licensed to be the liaison between our two CFPs. So that was really the catalyst for me getting my insurance and securities licenses. And Mark, as you mentioned earlier, by 2008, the firm had grown to be 30 partners and over 200 team members. But my focus had really been helping individuals and families optimize their situation to achieve their desired outcome. During this time period, 2007-ish, I became a Stephen minister and then continued on as a leader for over 10 years. And I would say by the late 2008, I made the personal decision to resign as a partner. Under our agreement, there was a one-year transition time. So it was in 2010 that I became a partner with Todd Healy. We're a boutique independent life insurance firm, and I had known Todd for over 20-plus years. Our style and approach to work with individuals and families was perfectly aligned. As I look back, I would say, Mark, that public accounting was the perfect prelude to what I have the privilege to do today. And today we are branded as C3 Financial Partners. Okay. Okay. So C3 is the former, you said Todd Healy organization? Am I saying that right? Well, Todd Healy is the principal founder. We were known as Healy Partners when I joined him, but today we're known as C3 Financial Partners. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I was wondering about how those transitions happened. My gosh, there's a lot I'd like to circle back on, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure, Mark. It may have been too much or detail, but that's my journey. No, no, that is great. So I'm curious about implementing the first flex arrangement at Paget. I find it very interesting. I've seen other people do this, but leave public accounting for lifestyle reasons and go mm-hmm. into industry. And then, frankly, they miss some of the other aspects of public account enjoyed, like the variety or the client interaction. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, mm-hmm. they go back. What was it like implementing their first flex arrangement? I don't know how else to say this. Was it a struggle or was management pretty much all on board by it? Talk to us about that experience. Well, I have to remind myself and others often that was before technology and cell phones. So that was as we were building out this flex schedule, I would say. I think what was healthy, even though it was designed this way, is that I had that one-year hiatus at USAA. So the firm had time to think, and I had time to think. And so my clients had been reassigned. And so as we looked at what type of clients, what kind of work would lend itself to a flex schedule, and that really was a lot of individual tax, and that's where we added estate planning. Because that was not work that had to be done, quote, at the client's office. Corporate tax work, accounting services, those are more driven at the client's office, particularly back in the day before technology. So we had to be really deliberate about what services, types of clients would this work for. Because we would not, could not impact the quality of what they were receiving or the timeliness. Okay. Okay. And then later on, you ended up becoming a partner with Paget. Yes. So I stayed on this flex schedule route for, I thought it would be a couple of years, but we really morphed into something that was really working and was just, and that really gave me the independence, a lot of flexibility to go deep on the estate planning and working with families after a death occurred. And it was just working so well. And I enjoyed being a mom too. So even though opportunities were presented throughout this time, I intentionally stayed on the flex schedule. 
until 2001, when my son became 16 and had a driver's license. So this just worked for me and my family. Okay. When did you become a partner, more or less? In 2001. Oh, at that time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Was that part of the coming off the flex schedule? (laughs) Yes. During this time, the firm has been rapidly growing and depth of service is increasing. And I don't think uh, either side, we really had the vision of how to do a partner as a flex schedule. Okay. Okay. It's time to get back on more of the traditional path. Sure. Well, the time period we're talking about, I mean, like you're mentioning, technology was a lot different back then. And mm-hmm. and for a firm mm-hmm. to even have a flex schedule in the 90s and late 80s, mm-hmm. that was a major shift. So, yeah. <laughs> Can't hold it against them for not figuring out the partner side. No, neither one of us really had the vision or idea of what that would be. And, you know, I was really enjoying my work. I was ready. It was just kind of natural just a transition back into the full-time Role. That makes sense. Yeah, your family dynamic is changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then you were a partner for about nine years at Padgett. Mm-hmm. show is targeted at individuals, up-and-coming professionals, very early in their career. So I like to share stuff like this. What did you enjoy about the role of partner? I have a team member, of a group of 10 to 12 team members that were equally focused on individual tax services, which included gift and estate, planning, implementation, ex- compliance, etc. When I was thinking back on those years, Mark, I came to realize, reminded myself that almost all of my team members, 8 to 12, that would vary in number, were all flex schedule. So oh. now we've grown from just myself being the kind of the pioneer for flex scheduling to having a team of flex schedules. And now technology was high into our world, and Padgett was always a leader in making sure we were state of art. It was really fun to use what I had learned being on a flex schedule, now having a bigger team, and knowing how important it was these team members that were on flex schedules for a variety of reasons. They may have young children. They may have older parents. They may have special needs situations. Uh, they may be also going back to school for another degree. Whatever was going on, it was see those experiences and put them into action to build a platform that made it successful for flex schedules to become more acceptable and routine and not in any way was any client to ever be impacted or feel not serviced. And looking back, we had such low turnover and that allows you to really build those deep relationships with clients in the next generation. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Something else I wanted to ask you about, because the way you said it implied that maybe there was a connection. You said in 2007, you became a Stephen minister, and I'm familiar with the term. I don't know the depth. Mm-hmm. I know it's a pastoral care kind of a position in mm-hmm. the church. And then you said you resigned as partner in 2010, like maybe there was something in your life that had changed. I don't know if the two experiences are connected mm-hmm. or not, but were they connected? And I guess what did lead you to decide to make that move to to leave partnership at one of the most progressive accounting firms at the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the Mm -hmm. area? Yes. Well, if your listeners may not be as familiar with Stephen Minister, it's a volunteer service-led program. Stephen Ministry, the concept, was developed by a pastor in St. Louis over 50 years ago. And it was all about how to walk closely along someone who is hurting and how to walk alongside them in their journey. And it was 50 weeks of training, and then it's 
continually you meet as a team if you become in active service twice a month, continuing to hone your skills. So I did the program and then got involved in volunteering and training others and leading discussions. And I just found, because of all those years working at Paget, helping families when a death had occurred, that there was so much more going on in these people's lives. When I would appear and need financial or tax information to accomplish what they needed compliance-wise, there was something so much deeper going on in these lives. And the grief they were going through complicated often by the planning that had not been done or had been not adequately done and the miscommunications or lack of communication between those involved were often happening around my conference table as information that I had in order to meet their tax filing. I became more and more aware on each case that I had to understand that I may have information nobody else has, including the spouse. And I just really got drawn to how can I use my skills in a different way to get ahead of this? It's a way of understanding or seeing what people have gone through. And it's just not just a tax or financial transaction that we prepared for, as the state plane is sometimes talked about. It's a real life event with real people and situations at stake. And to add to that, we provided services to the mid-market. So our clients very often had a family-owned business. And it became obvious very fast that while the decisions these wealth holders made or didn't make impacted so much more than their families. It was all their team members, all their employees. I saw the firm lose great audit clients, great I saw attorneys lose great clients. I saw financial planners lose great investment management clients because they weren't prepared for that continuity, that transition. And I saw seeing those businesses going bankrupt, seeing people's lives irreversibly impacted. These businesses were very often charitably inclined and very involved in the community. And the community would lose a great participant. Just it was just a lot of self-reflection. Mark, I guess I'll pause there. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I understand. You're seeing the turmoil that's been caused when it wasn't done well and coming in as an accountant to help with the estate, there's not a whole lot you can do other than triage. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's a great (laughs) word. You're exactly right. It was triage. Yeah. And triage isn't perfect, isn't easy, it's messy, and may know about your own journey or being around others, the grief cycle is not, it is what it is for each person. And anger is a, a big part of that grief cycle. And a lot of times the anger, I learned to understand that anger was just anger, not necessarily at me or what we were doing. It was much bigger than that. It's more complicated. Okay. So you've been at C3, we're starting with Healy, of course, but for over 10 years now, What is your role now exactly, or more specifically, how do you spend your time? So what we focus on is individuals, companies, and even nonprofits that engage us to help identify and minimize risk, especially those that are unnecessary or perhaps unknown. And we do that through our C3 process, where we work hard for clients to gain clarity around their current situation, however much of their current situation they're inviting us into dialogue with them about, and to gain clarity, that often involves 
really going deep and understanding what do they have in place. Because very often clients don't have the insight into all their moving parts. They've built it over time. So it's going fresh look at just reading documents, just the nuts and bolts of what do you have? If the bus came for you tomorrow, what would it look like? Where would everything go? Part of our conversation is there's really three places your wealth will go, either to your family, to the community, or to taxes. And what would this percentages be for you tomorrow if the bus came for you? What would you like them to be? How would you prefer those percentages to move around? Do you and your partner, do you agree? Or how might you want that to be different? So my role is a lot on the analysis and strategic planning. The C3 team in Dallas, I also have a business partner who specializes in products and planning for global families. And she's also a Spanish translator. And then five other team members that go deep on client understanding the, the mechanics of underwriting, of product selection, implementation, client service. And so we bring the whole suite of services around life, long-term care, and disability insurance. Even though Todd and I and Celeste are both securities licensed, we do not provide any investment. We have intentionally made it our focus to go deep on insurance, and we are 100% independent. In fact, Todd has been since the early 80s. We represent our clients to the market. So I would say we're problem solvers, product pushers. And one of the problems, just one of the problems, but one that would often show up in these estates is lack of liquidity. And people were forced into making decisions or doing fire sales or not being able to maintain their line of credits for their business, et cetera, et cetera, because of the lack of liquidity. So as I've had one attorney in Dallas, an older gentleman one day tell me, he said, you know, Carolyn, I've never had an estate where the problem was too much liquidity. (laughs) And so we just thoughtful about having that discussion about when liquidity will be needed, how will it be needed, and what will be its role? What problem will it be solving? This is very interesting because there's a lot out in the marketplace about exit planning right now, and particularly due to the demographics of the population. But I think when most people think about exit planning, the first thing that comes to mind is the business owner or owner's selling the business to someone and getting their Mm -hmm. investment out of it. But Mm -hmm. you're helping people plan for the possibility of exit planning due to death, basically, and quite a niche. Like you said, the bus can come at any time. (laughs) At any time for any of us. And maybe we have a heightened awareness now of that during this pandemic. And over these years, I've seen and through experience and training, have found the confidence to talk about it with business owners that also... We don't all die in the natural order. People die out of order. So I witnessed during my days where a senior generation would have transferred business to the junior generation only to have the junior partner die. And older, the previous owner was had to come back in and they had never anticipated doing that. Or a seller that sells to a key employee and the key employee becomes sick or incapacitated and can't fulfill on their obligations. So people are kind of live in this, we're going to live, 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 and then one day we'll just die. It'll be just quick one day, but life's a little more messy. Hmm. And incapacitation is a part of that planning. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about, identifying and managing those known and unknown risks 
and perhaps even unnecessary risk. At least having a conversation about it. So I'm curious, when you were on the other side in public accounting and then you're helping people after this has happened, straighten it out, and then you flipped to the front side of it, trying to help people better plan before it happens, are there any skills that you found yourself having to develop to be on that front side? Or do you feel like public accounting pretty much prepared you for that? Public accounting really gave me the strong base and technical knowledge of being able to see the logistics and all the moving parts. Because as we would file an estate with tax return or help an executor have to compute what estate taxes they owed and where was that money going to come from. Now that technical, I really got to live and breathe. But to do the softer side, how do you sit and talk about these issues? Not as a therapist or a counselor, but as just kind of awareness building Mm -hmm. and having the confidence of how you're going to do that. That's where I would say my Stephen ministry training really helped. I've also done some additional training and education all around grief. Amy Florinian is someone, she's a thanatologist meaning she has studied grief and become a nationwide expert on that topic. I've attended her classes and followed her training. That has just been a natural overlay. And I guess I want to bring in, I realize I haven't mentioned before, in 2011, I attained my Chartered Advisor in Philanthropy or CAP designation from the American College. And it's all about how to have deeper conversations with clients about what they want to accomplish with their wealth and how Philanthropy may be part of that, and then how to work with the other advisors collaboratively to accomplish what their most desired dreams are. So that's the other kind of the brighter side to kind of round out the discussion around grief. It's also talking about the part about joy that you can do and how much do you want to do now or later. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think to ask what the CAP was. <laughs> I had seen that, uh-huh. but... <laughs> mm-hmm. I stopped reading after CPA. Okay, okay. Well, it just, again, the reason I bring up CAP for those who may want to look into that is it's a master's level course and it spends, there's a lot of training on how to have conversations. And I would say, you know, getting your degree in accounting, working in public accounting, those are more fact-based conversations versus having more kind of a dialogue about their dreams, aspirations, fears, et cetera. Okay. I'm curious. You mentioned also grief training. I mean, was that simply through a local church or nonprofit, or was that a more extensive program? No, it's a program taught by Amy Florinian. It's a three-day course, and then continuing education from that. It was just something I saw that how she was having conversations, how she was leading people through this discussion. Again, being curious, trying to always learn more. I had heard her speak at a conference, and then decided to invest in going to her in-depth training. Many financial institutions now engage her to train their frontline staff because very often it one of the first things people will do after an event is call and need to change a bank account or change, you know, somehow their however their financial situation is. And it's those frontline workers how they respond very often is whether that financial advisor maintains that relationship as people are deep in grief. This has been very interesting because I knew you worked in exit planning and I knew you sold life insurance, but I didn't realize the the depth of the specialty. And In fact, 
as I was getting into this interview, I knew there was going to be a, well, there was a fog for me towards the end of not knowing exactly mm-hmm. where it was going to go. And that was part mm-hmm. of the intrigue. So thank you. This has been really intriguing. Well, um, it's a real joy to have someone that's curious about going that far behind the curtain. So thank you, Mark. No problem. No problem. Well, you're not off the hook yet. We, we oh, okay. You. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. No, I'm good. We, we have a few questions we end every show okay. with, but before uh-huh. we get to those, I am curious. One more question. Knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of critical advice, what do you think that might be? So if I was looking back, Mark, and talking to my younger self, what I would say is don't be afraid to continue to invest yourself. There's a lot of a focus and attention, pressure, pass the CPA exam. Once you do that, you're done. You've achieved it. But really, that's just the beginning. That's just the entry fee. Now you've got a platform to continue to learn. And I would take and probably taken more risk, continue to probably explore possibilities, maybe at a faster rate. I think also I would have looked to kind of building my own, maybe more formal group of personal advisors, kind of be my sounding board. Yeah, we would often get assigned a mentor in the public accounting world, but that wasn't necessarily the mentor that I'm talking about. This is someone who can help you kind of dream outside of the box, wherever it goes. And I had those. I was very fortunate to have those along the way, but I would have been more, much more intentional about that. What I learned later in life is the joy of volunteering and giving back to the community because it really reinstores your faith in humanity and you learn so much from other people. Whenever I facilitated a class, whether it was Stephen Ministry or CAP, I learned tons more than I was ever, ever able to, I'm sure, provide. And each class, I learned different, seeing it through their lens. So I would have, uh, I would have invested some time doing that sooner versus later. And then just that, really that personal board of directors that you could visit with. Those are all good. Those are all good. Wow. <laughs> I didn't count on that much good advice right out of that one question. Thank oh, well, well, I have some years to look back on, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> well, I do end every show with the same three questions, so we better get to those. The first one's usually the easier one. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? You prepared me for these last three questions, and I really spent some time on it, and I would just have to say, it's one of my proudest moments career-wise was passing that CPA exam because that was a big focus in that first accounting class in September of 1977 until checking the box, it was done November 1981. That was just that goal out there. And that, again, just to me, told the world you were serious about your investment in accounting. But again, looking back, that was just only the beginning. Good point. Good point. And I like it when people talk about certifications. <laughs> Those are near and dear to mm-hmm. my heart, so thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, going back to where I grew up and my community, that was just kind of part of it, so that commitment. Sure. Well, second question, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we learn from these. Yeah. Well, now, as I said, I, I grew up in a small community and a very faith-based family. In fact, my paternal grandfather immigrated from Germany as a Lutheran minister. So holding, being truthful, what you say you're going to do, promises made, that was just the expected. And I grew up in a community of that's just how things were done. 
What I learned the hard way is not everyone has that same experience or privilege as they are raised. And so in turn, they don't necessarily live their life the way I was brought up. And they don't necessarily see the world the way I do. And so my world was pretty small growing up, and it was small at Texas Lutheran and small starting at when Paget was 30 people. And as my world grew, I got to see, oh, there's a lot of differences. And with that came some disappointments, some big disappointments that people didn't always follow through or honor what they had committed to. And so I would just say those were luckily few and far between. And those disappointments are so very deep and painful at time have been outweighed by all, far outweighed by all my good experiences. But those, just as the world became bigger and more complex, continuing up to today, my eyes are more wide open. I trust people and take them at their word, but yet I have that sense of wanting to validate or to uh, trust my intuition a little more. Sure, sure. That's interesting. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I was introduced to reading the book called The Art of Possibility when I made partner at Paget. It was written by doctors and Dr. Zander, Z-A-N-D-E-R. And that book sits on my desk today because that book is all about staying curious. And even when you think you've explored all paths, you haven't. So that's what I would encourage your listeners today is just to feed their God-given talents and abilities to stay curious. That is great advice to end this on. Thank you so much. I knew I was going to learn a few things, and this went a little different direction than I was anticipating as well. I hadn't thought about your niche specialty, and honestly, Mm -hmm. I can see how it's really needed. And it takes someone with calm persona (laughs) to be able to to help people for that kind of planning. I've learned a lot. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Well, it's been a real privilege and honor to share this pathway and hope that others that are exploring their possibilities, that this may be of help. Definitely. Well, that was my interview with Carolyn Smith. And like I mentioned in the intro also, I didn't realize the exact direction we were going to go in this episode. And so I very much enjoyed it. It was a little bit of a discovery you know, session for me as well. I knew we were going to talk about exit planning, but I didn't realize the specific niche that we were going to get into. And I just really appreciate Carolyn taking the time out for this because we need people in our lives that will talk to us about things that may be difficult to face, but that are inevitable. And so I really appreciate that there are professionals out there like Carolyn that have the skill and the ability and have taken the time to develop the skill and the ability to do that. It really is a blessing and a fortunate thing for the rest of us. Well, with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. And oh, yes, I did want to say one more thing before wrapping up this show. I really appreciate all the comments we've been getting here in the last few months about how the show has helped individuals. I know I talk about ratings frequently, but a lot of people have been writing in, so to speak, and just saying how the show has helped in their academic career or helped them choose a direction or helped them decide to pursue certification, which is really near and dear to my heart. So thank you so much to all the individuals that have been writing in. It makes it all the more worth it for me. So thank you very much. 
Well, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. This has been another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast, and we will see you all next week. There's more to come.